Paul said this is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptance, that the church is to accept this, proclaim it, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. We all know that. For God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. To do what? To save whosoever will. There's an open invitation to every person alive on this planet to be saved. And everyone who comes to the Lord in faith believing, he will save. Amen. There are three categories of people who are not going to be saved. And it's not because the Lord will not save them. It is because they will not ask him. Those who blaspheme the Holy Ghost, those who have been given over to reprobate mind, those who have taken the mark of the beast. Amen. I'm telling and, and I know I've got some looks before when I've shared this, but if Judas had not hanged himself and waited for Sunday morning and made his way to a risen Christ and said, Lord, please forgive me, I stand flat-footed to tell you that Jesus would have forgiven him. And people do that to themselves. Praise God. I ain't got time to get into all that. Matthew 18 and 11, Jesus says, For the Son of Man has come to save them, or to save that which was lost. Now we're going to look at a, a few people that the Bible really reveals to us as being messed up. John 4 and 16. Remember the woman at the well? Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. She had five husbands. She's shacking up some dude now, and they ain't married. But she tried to get around the truth. Here's some, here, listen. If you don't get, take anything away from this service this morning, you take this home. You ain't, there ain't no getting around Jesus. There ain't no getting around Jesus. Oh, I have no husband. One been married five times, shacking up some cat. Now, yo, in that you truly said the Lord read her mail. This just reveals what this lady's messed. She's messed up. She's been passed around a community. You know, why is she at the well in the heat of the day? Why didn't she come with the other women? Because she was ashamed of her life and the things that she had done. She had created a reputation that had brought shame to her. The other women looked at her and looked down their nose at her because of her life. But praise God for Jesus who did not turn her away. John chapter 8 and verse 3. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. When they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now, to be caught in the very act means she was set up. But this woman was messed up. Her life was, take notice, with what we've been uh, uh, learning on Wednesday nights concerning the law that God gave to Moses for Israel. This woman, according to the law of Moses, was, was to be stoned. She was caught. Absolutely. She was guilty as homemade sin. Anybody ever heard that expression? She was guilty. But they brought her, slung her down at the feet of Jesus. She was messed up. Luke 19 and 8. This is a particular one that I, I like. I, and to get off the ladies for a while. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Zacchaeus was a crook, 
A wee little crook and a wee little crook was he. And yes, he had taken from people by false accusation. And yes, he had ripped people off. And yes, he had stolen. And it might be a response to society's uh, treatment of him because of his small stature. But for whatever reason, Zacchaeus was messed up. He was a crook and he was messed up. Mark 5 and 2. And when he come out of the boat, talking about Jesus, immediately... There met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces. <clears throat> Neither could anyone tame him. Verse 5, listen. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying out and cutting himself with stones. This boy was sure enough messed up. He had a legion of demons inside of him. Not just one. He had over 12. A legion of demons in him. No one could tame him. They couldn't bind him. And he spent his days and night wandering around in the cemetery, crying out and cutting himself with stones in great torment. If this man is not the definition of messed up, there ain't one in the Bible. This man is altogether messed up. Luke chapter 23, beginning with verse number 40. Jesus is on the cross. And the male factor, we call him the male factor or the thief. But the other, after the other guy had said the wrong thing. But the other answered rebuking him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. This man was messed up. He was a crook. He was a thief, most likely a murderer. And he is being crucified alongside with Jesus Christ. Now this fellow was messed up to have lived a life that brought him to this time of execution that the government is executing him because of the things that he has committed during his lifetime. This man is sure enough messed up. All these people are messed up. They got different circumstances, different situations, different issues, but they have all this in common. They are messed up. They got something else in common. Jesus Christ saved everyone. Jesus Christ saved everyone. He saved the woman with five husbands. He saved the woman... Uh, caught in adultery. He saved, saved Zacchaeus the crook. He saved the uh, Gadarene demoniac. And he saved the thief on the cross who looking over. What was his confession? This man has done nothing wrong. This man is innocent. And then he gives him the petition. Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. What did the Lord tell him? I don't want nobody like you in my kingdom. You sorry crook. That's not what Jesus said. We all know what Jesus said to him. Today you will be with me in paradise. So all these folks have the same testimony. I was messed up, but Jesus saved me. Now we rejoice in that. Praise God. Because here's the sad truth, beloved. You ready? We all messed up. Sin has messed us up. We all messed up. We all got issues. We all got problems. We all, I'm telling you, we was all on our way to hell before Jesus saved us. 
those who are saved under the sound of my voice, we were all on our way to hell before Jesus saved us. But praise God, Jesus saves messed up people. Amen. But there is another truth that goes along with it. Now, we, we preach this. We shout it from the rooftops. It is the invitation that the Holy Spirit and the church, the bride of Christ, give to everybody on this planet. You come to Jesus. You believe in him. He'll save your soul. But it does not end there. Jesus not only saves messed up people. Jesus not only grants unto messed up people eternal life, Jesus changes messed up people. Jesus saves messed up people. Get ready. However, he does not tolerate nor condone messed up living. Ooh, it's quiet in here. Brother Kenny was here. Is there somebody say amen? I don't do that, Brother Kenny. I try to say amen when he does that. Amen, Brother Kenny. I don't even know if he hears me or not. Jesus don't condone messed up living. Whoa. Now that puts an onus on us that the word of God is fixing to take care of. Matthew 4 and 17. I'm going to read a lot of scriptures this morning. For that time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mark 1 and 15. Jesus saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So they went out and preached that people should repent. Acts 17 and 30, truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Mark 2 and 17, when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Romans 2 and 4, or do you despise the richness of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. 2 Corinthians 7 and 9. Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. There's a difference here. Godly sorrow is this. Lord, I regret that I have sinned against you. That's godly sorrow. That will lead to genuine repentance. That'll save you. The sorrow of the world is this. I am sorry that sin got me in a mess. And I've prayed for both kinds over the years. Lord, I'm sorry that I sinned against you. Or I am sorry that sin got me in a mess. I prayed with a bunch of folks, and I knew it when they come down the altar. They weren't sorry for what they did. They were sorry that what they did had consequences that were negative. The definition of insanity, Albert Einstein said this, doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. If you're sorry, and here's the truth, sin, it gets you in a mess. You want to get in a mess? Keep sinning. You're heading toward a mess. Keep living a lifestyle of separation from God. You are headed, you have an appointment with destruction. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. Lord, I have sinned against a holy God and I regret that I have done that. Repentance is, is the, the definition of repentance. Well, let me read 2 Peter uh, 3 and 9. 
The Lord's not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. If he wasn't, we'd all be in hell, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Repentance is nothing more or less than this. It's not turning over a new page in an old book. It is simply a petition to God or an expression to God wherein you say, Lord, I am willing to live another way. That's repentance. That's my favorite definition of it. Lord, I am willing to live. See, that's where godly sorrow will lead you. The sorrow of the world will not lead you there. The sorrow, all the sorrow of the world wants to do is get past the negative consequences that the sinful actions have created in your life. Oh, Lord, get me out of this mess. Godly sorrow says, Lord, I regret what I've done, and I am willing to live another way. All these messed up folks had godly sorrow. Remember what Zacchaeus said? Those I've cheated, I will restore. I'm willing to live another way. I give half my goods to the poor. Man, I, I imagine these folks in his family and his friends said, this, Zacchaeus has lost it. I mean, this man who used money as a means of revenge against society that, that chided him for his small stature, I'll get you back. I'll take you to the cleaners. Now he's given half his goods to the poor. And the people that he has cheated, he's given them back fourfold. What happened to Zacchaeus? Godly sorrow. I'm sorry that I cheated those folks. And Lord, I am willing to live another way. This is the part of the gospel that has gotten lost in the last days. Amen. And there is a tremendous appetite and audience for preachers who get up and tell you, look, you can just live any way you want to. It'll be all right. It won't be all right. It won't be all right. Because the truth of the matter is this. When people come to Jesus, Jesus changes your life. Amen. Now, I'm going to read to you a portion from the book of Ephesians. I'm going to read it from the clarification. Because if I read it in the King James first and read it in the clarification, we'd be here to 3 o'clock, and we all don't want to do that. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse number 17. With the Lord's, and he's talking to the church. He's speaking to us this morning. Put this in this context. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. You want evidence of that? Listen to CNN or MSNBC. And it's just it's all over. I saw some of the news this morning before I come to church. Oh, these people have lost their mind. It's nothing more than the word of God coming to pass. They're hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame they live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Now, I had some, if we had had children's church this morning, I had some examples of every kind of impurity that would have knocked the shoes off your feet. But I can't do that because we have mixed company this morning. Only to say this, that People who indulge and celebrate their immoral lifestyles, 
It's love. Homosexuals, they love. Oh, but they, they love one another. Nobody ever gets out and says, this is what they do to one another behind closed doors, and I'll leave it right there. It ain't just nasty. It's shag nasty. And the way I was raised, shag nasty was as nasty as you could get. There is a veneer of love. There is a veneer of Cupid and hearts and, oh, yeah, we want to get married and we love one another. That's a bunch of junk. Thank you, Richie. That's a bunch of junk. What these people do to each other behind closed doors, I cannot express in mixed company this morning. And worse than that enters into the minds of men and women in their immorality and vulgarity and ungodliness. Paul told the Romans, you know, look, I can't even tell you what they practice in secret. But that's what they don't want to get out. That's what they don't want in the paper. That's what they don't want on the news. They want to pre present this falsehood of, oh, yes, we're, you know, it's all romantic. No, 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 it's not. These are the, my God, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. You ready? It's going to get across town. I don't care. You want to meet a mean person? Homosexual is the meanest human being you'll ever run up against. You think you've seen mean out of Aunt uh, uh, Lulu or, or Uncle Fred or whatever? You cross a homosexual, you'll find what mean is. When you want to dig deep into the relationships these folks have with one another, oh, we're all love, and you know, I stood beside him. when I, He had AIDS, and I, no, no, no. They treat each other horribly. Why is that? Because the love of God is not in them. They're messed up. Oh, Brother Andy, you're making all these pronouncements. I have good news for them. Jesus Christ saves messed up people. Can he save them? Yes. What we do as the church, we look at these extreme examples and go, hey, there's no hope for them. Shame on us. And here's another thing you can put in your post toasties. But for the grace of God, there we go. There we go. Verse 20, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, renew your thoughts and attitudes, Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now, everybody's getting nervous about that. Woo, that's, that's a standard I can't reach. Hang on. Verse 25, speaking to the church. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Verse 26, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And verse 30, 
and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Ooh, with the exception of that baby. Praise God. That's all right, sister. She's helping me along. Amen. She's the only one in this congregation making any noise to what I'm saying. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Well, that's my foundation. We're all sitting there going, ooh, boy, that's rugged, isn't it? I got to get rid of all that. That rage, that anger, that bitterness, that slander, that harshness. I got to get rid of, you know, I got to get rid of my, uh, you know, my rage, all this other stuff. I got to watch the way I live so that I don't do anything that's going to bring a reproach on the Lord who saved me. That's a great responsibility, isn't it? And this is, this is the rub because once this is preached, man, that's when your church gets painted. Oh, that's just a church full of a bunch of rules. Look, the holiness guidebook can't save you. All right? Only Jesus can save us. So this is where the Lord brought me, and now I have to get personal. My daddy's dead. He died in 1986 in a car wreck. I remember, and Judy can share it with you, back in the mid-'60s, my daddy smoked cigarettes. He smoked Salem. I don't even think he makes Salem's anymore. And Cools and something that started with an M, I can't remember. But he smoked cigarettes. A lot of folks did. Until NBC aired a program hosted by a guy named Chet Huntley. How many folks are so old you remember the Huntley-Brinkley report on NBC on a black and white TV? Raise your hands up real big. These younger folks need to know that I'm telling the truth. Chet Huntley. had I, I, I don't remember what I ate yesterday. I remember this. Sitting in front of a black and white TV in Happy Valley. Where's Melissa? She knows, she knows what living in Happy Valley is all about. We're happy. I'm watching, a, and I don't know what's going on. I'm just a stupid kid. My daddy is watching Chet Huntley tell everybody that if you, quit, if you don't quit smoking them cigarettes, to paraphrase, if you don't quit smoking them cigarettes, you're going to die, sure enough. It's going to kill you dead as a hammer. The Surgeon General has determined that smoking cigarettes causes lung cancer. And you get a good dose of lung cancer, you're a dead duck unless the Lord heals you. And you know what the truth is? My daddy believed that. He believed what Chet Huntley said about smoking cigarettes. He smoked for years. You know what he did? He laid them dudes down. And I never saw my father pick up another cigarette. He had enough willpower to lay the cigarettes down. But he didn't have the willpower to lay the liquor down. Which is what killed him eventually. State trooper called me after we buried my father and said this was his alcohol level. I shared it with you. How could he even 
but he did. It got him eventually. Here's the truth, folks. I know folks who can do that, not only my father, but others. There are some things that you'll be convicted of or convinced of and that you know you need to quit, and your willpower is strong enough to do it, and you can lay it down. But here's the other half of that coin. There's something in everybody's life. There is an addiction. There is a behavior that genetic, it's a genetic deal. The Bible calls it the flesh. Scientists in 2018 call it genes. It's the same deal. It's genetic. But there's something in you that you do not possess the willpower to lay down. You can't do it. You can blow up. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. I'm going to stop. I'm going to quit. You make all these promises. You go through all these programs and all this other stuff and you try and it's just what brother Kenny brought out on Monday night you're trying and you're trying and you're trying and the problem is that you're trying but there's not enough strength in your flesh you do not have the DNA the genetic makeup that will enable you to lay that thing down whatever that thing may be and it's different with every individual there's something an addiction or compulsive behavior that's got you and you don't got it and you don't want that on the front page of the Somerville News. And you don't want that on the TV news either. And you don't want to admit that you're dealing with something that you can't handle. Oh, praise God, Brother Andy. Preach us happy. Well, what am I going to do? Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus, for access to the grace of God. Zacchaeus couldn't quit being a crook. That woman, five husbands, shacking up with some guy, she could not do anything about her sexual addiction. The woman caught in adultery for whatever reason, she didn't have the willpower to affect that. The Gadarene demoniac, show enough, was not happy with his lifestyle, but there was n- his willpower was not able to deliver him from the influence of those spirits. So what can we do? We can come to Jesus and receive the grace of Almighty God. You know what all them folks had in common? They had an encounter with Jesus Christ. They had an encounter with him personally. They were affected by him personally and they experienced through Jesus the grace of the unmerited favor of Almighty God. What does the grace do for us, Brother Andy? It saves us. For we are saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the grace of God that forgives us of our sins. It is the grace of God that washes our sins away with the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It is the grace of God. Ain't nobody going to heaven but by the grace of God. Nobody deserves it. Nobody can earn it. The the basis of all false religion is this, that if you will do this, 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 and this, you will earn your way to eternal life. That is a lie. You can't act good enough. You can't do enough good deeds. You cannot perform enough charitable acts. You know why your good works won't save you? 
because your good works here will be put beside the precious blood of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. And I'm here to tell you, you want to look at something that is a filthy rag. That's what your works will be. Woo! Because the standard is Christ himself. Now, you meet that standard, you'll get in on your works. But the problem is this, you have already sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The grace of God saves us. You know the second thing the grace of God does? It teaches us how to live. That's where repentance comes in. Amen, godly sorrow. Lord, I'm willing to live another way. I'm willing and it's not a question where you say, I'm on, and I've heard folks testify, and I, go, I just cringe. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do the other. I want to set them down and say, look, you need to come talk to Brother Andy about your testimony. Because as sure as you do that, the devil's going to say, okay, Lord, they said it. Let's find out. Brother Boland taught me a great lesson I learned many years ago. It's Bible. Don't say you're going to do something. You say, if the Lord wills, I'm going to do something. I said something, about, well, I'm going to so-and-so. And he said, you sure? I said, yeah, I'm going. He said, boy, you better say if the Lord wills, you're going because you don't know what's going to happen between now and tomorrow. He was right. As the Lord wills. The grace of God will teach us how we ought to live. The grace of God, this same unmerited favor will instruct us in how we ought to live. And then the third thing about the grace of God is that the grace of God will empower and enable us to live the way we ought. Man, there's some scriptures in that Bible that's scary. When Jesus says, be ye holy, as your Father in heaven is holy. I want to run and hide. I wish I had read that. Be holy as God the Father is holy. <coughs> and it's repeated again and again. Be holy, be holy, be holy. Be Holy. Amen. How in the world am I ever going to? The grace of God. We're not made holy by our actions. We're made holy by the shed blood of Jesus and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I ain't holy for no other reason than I belong to God. I'm the purchased possession of Christ Jesus. And that is why he has declared. Woo! You know why I'm holy? Because he said I'm holy. Not because I said I'm holy. I see my weaknesses. I see my shortcomings. They're glaring. And all of y'all see them too. But then a good old boy, but you know, he just plumb crazy sometimes. It's all right. Tell the truth. I'm not holy. I'm holy because he said I was. I'm holy because of what Jesus did, not because of what I did. But this same grace enables us to live the way we are. I can't live it, Brother Andy. I've tried. Brother Kenny was right. That's your problem. You keep trying. You keep trying to do something in the strength. I'm talking. I've just shut my eyes. You keep trying to do something in the strength of your flesh, and your DNA just ain't got the willpower to accomplish it. Now, there's other things that you might be able to deal with this just, just through the express power of your will. But, beloved, there's some things that your willpower just is not able to deal with, and you stand in need of grace, unmerited favor, and encounter with Jesus Christ. 
You need a Damascus Road experience. Saul of Tarsus, riding whatever. I don't say what he's riding. Only that when that lie hit him, he hit the ground. He thought he was, you know, doing a good work. And it even says here that the Lord had mercy on me because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. But he had an encounter with Jesus that changed his life. Knocked him on his, on his fours, if you will, in that sand. The other guy saw the, the light, but didn't hear the voice. Saul, Saul, Jesus called his name. Just to paraphrase, he says, it's hard for you, ain't it, son? You watched Stephen die like a man of God, and it has bothered you ever since. You can't sleep at night because you keep hearing that man over and over. Lord, forgive him. Lord, where did that come from? Ha! Woo! Lord, forgive him. You can't handle it because somebody said, you know what he said when he was before the Sanhedrin? He lifted up his hands and said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Praise God. And it's bothered you, boy, hadn't it? What was Saul of Tarsus' response? Lord, Lord, what would you have me do? We shortchange folks, church, when we don't tell them and we don't proclaim because we're misunderstood. Oh, y'all a bunch of holy rollers and y'all a bunch of, you know, uh, 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 I think, what, what uh, really can you call it, uh, Dudley Do-Rights or whatever. Y'all just, you know, and, and that's not it at all. I'm fixing to land this plane, but I got something to say to some folks in this house this morning. There is power in the name of Jesus to set you free today. Ha! Woo! There is power in the name of Jesus. Praise God that you will access the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. People think we're all about speaking in tongues. They ain't all about speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is just the initial physical evidence. It's not all of the evidence. And I, I run across a, 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 a little saying on the a discussion board. This old guy says, we got too many in the church that believe once filled, always filled. You ain't been had an encounter with the Holy Spirit in 50 years. It's been a long time since you just opened up your heart and didn't care what nobody thought and let the Holy Ghost have his way. What does all this accomplish? We are set free. We are liberated. And what my willpower can't handle, God's grace can handle. I'm talking to some folks this morning. You've been dealing with some junk. But I have good news for you. The Lord loved you enough to minister this message to me before last week. I've had it in the book, all right? God saves messed up people, but he does not tolerate messed up living. He doesn't have to because the Lord not only will forgive us of our sins, he will change our lives. And if we repent, say, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing. Say, whoo, you're not saying I'm able. I got to quit. Brother Kirk ain't put the time up there like he did. Brother Ken said, I got to have that time up there. You're not saying I'm able to live another way. You're saying I'm willing 
to live another. <laughs> he just put it up. There is power in my gospel, says the Lord. There is power in my spirit. There is power in my grace that I extend to you. You suffer needlessly. You condemn yourself needlessly. For I declare to you this day, upon the authority of my word, says the Lord, that has been spoken to you, that I am able to deliver you completely. And if you will turn your heart toward me and repent, and as my servant has said to you, be willing to live another way, I will bless you with an abundant life that I have promised in my word, says the Lord. Stand to your feet. He's through with me. Every head bowed, every eye closed all over the